Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Off the Dome Sports Podcast, your favorite sports podcast where two and sometimes three sports lovers sit and give their hot takes. Off, off the, the dome. dome. I am Redfish. I'm Rebo Hustle. And I am Mustang. And we are coming back at you, Off the Dome Sports Podcast, on YouTube and Spotify. Make sure to follow us on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter, off the underscore dome pod. And while you're at it, go ahead and follow at B in the know, K-N-E-A-U-X, the only way to spell it. To make sure you're keeping up with all things the No Network, including the Off the Dome Sports Podcast and other sports podcasts, such as Talking That Yeah, Who Effin' Knows, and the newest edition, Freebird Rule, which you'll be hearing a little bit about towards the end of this show. So make sure to follow at Be in the Know. Make sure to follow us off the underscore dome pod. Subscribe, like, comment on YouTube, follow, rate five stars on Spotify, all the good stuff. And without further ado, let's talk about something. We haven't been, we haven't been able to talk about yet, and that is the big game, the Super Bowl. Ten on that. No, no, no. Yeah. Why don't you give us your breakdown? Uh, you know, as you saw in that graphic, that was the highlight of the Super Bowl. I'm sure many people will agree with me. Nobody wanted to see Patrick Mahomes win another one. I certainly didn't. Um, but, yeah, uh, Super Bowl kicked off in a good way. 49ers went up. It was great going into halftime. The halftime show was outstanding. If you couldn't tell from our Super Bowl graphic, start out with some, some bangers like Caught Up. Brought out Alicia Keys on the piano. She killed it like always. Except for on the first note, but we'll give her a pass. Yeah, It's the Super Bowl. You're gonna you're gonna have some nerves. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was great. Um, he goes back to the main stage, brings out what everybody thought was <laughs> CeeLo Green. <laughs> we were all wrong. It was not CeeLo Green. The entire world was wrong. Um, you know, goes back to his roots with his team from Atlanta and Little John and Ludacris. Yeah. And it was just a really good halftime show, in my opinion. The rest of the game could care less what happened after that. Yeah, I mean, Jawan Jennings did not win MVP. I'm still upset about that. You're telling me. Would have been a big hit. Bet that one at halftime. Or I don't know if it was at halftime. Before but halftime. It was, yeah, I mean, I bet it. And boy, oh boy, it looked like he was about to score that touchdown on that third and four where they uh, they forgot to block Trent McDuffie. And uh, he would have scored that touchdown. That was, I mean, throwing and catching a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah. In a game where your team scores less than 30 points, you would have won MVP. Mm-hmm. And yet here we are with uh, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, all hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, the the greatest thing, like I can't say it's all bad that the Chiefs won, obviously. Um, there's some players on that team that I respect, Travis Kelsey being one of them, one of the greatest tight ends to ever play the game. But not only him, his brother, incredible. Not only as an NFL player, an offensive lineman, but as a fan, a supporter of his brother. I mean, I can't count how many TikToks and YouTube shorts I've seen of Travis and Taylor Swift walking into the after party and then Jason right behind him wearing a luchador mask. That he found on the ground. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was up there with Marshmallow. They looked like a WWE tag team for the ages um, <laughs> with you know Travis and Taylor doing their thing. 
Um, fun story about that mask is Jason's going to send it back to the kid that lost it. Yeah. Um, so that, that'll be cool. That is a great story for that kid. Be like, see that mask? Yeah, that was me. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, Chiefs bring home another one. Two former Tigers bring home a Super Bowl ring in Neil Farrell and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So it's always good when NFLSU gets represented. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm already looking forward to the next NFL season. We're 199 days away mm-hmm. from the first kickoff of the 2024 yeah. NFL season. You know um, what that means? Draft pod coming. Draft pod coming soon. I'm sure we'll be doing a lot of um, Saints draft prospects and mock drafts and stuff like that on the channel. And just some um, underrated draft prospects in general, uh, solo videos. Yep. Yep, and those will be coming out not only on the Off the Dome channel, but also the No. Um, look out for you know maybe a series on there about some draft prospects. So um, keep a lookout on YouTube about what we think about the upcoming draft. It's going to be Saints content, LSU content, um, draft in general because we're huge on mock drafts mm-hmm. and just having fun thinking about where players could go, trade stuff like that. Yeah, um, I mean, um, as some of you may know, if you've been fans of the pod for a while, uh, last year we did a, a whole draft bonanza palooza spectacular spectacular five hours long um we <laughs> had a blast you know it was it was us three along with lionel frankenstein and clown, clown car. car we also did a whole mock draft uh with us drafting yeah we did that we right did. before too we did um so we'll, we'll be we don't have anything set in stone yet but when we know you'll know yeah we'll see where that goes um but yeah the nfl season has come to a close Kansas City lifts the Lombardi Trophy. Um, we have shut the doors on that season. And for us, a new season has begun recently. A season that, as you can see, Rebo Hustle here is super excited about. He's repping them today. The LSU Baseball Tigers. Woo. LSU Baseball won the national championship last season behind the arm of Paul Skeens behind the bat of Dylan Cruz. Both are out the window. We've got seven to the name, looking to make it eight this season. Rebo Hustle, give us a breakdown of what we saw in weekend one of the 2024 LSU baseball season. Yeah, game one, I mean, we saw Thatcher Hurd take the mound in the first inning. Um, Honestly, everybody was expecting him to become the ace of the team. Had a great performance in Omaha last year. Had a great performance in the SEC tournament. Um, but he did kind of come out a little shaky. Maybe it was just some first-game jitters. He also kind of started slow last season, didn't really start getting into this giant role until SEC play really uh, turned up. So, But I don't know if it's – I don't think that this game is going to define him for the rest of the season. I mean, he's still a legit pitcher. He still gets you out of tense situations. Um would you like to take the next picture? Oh, yeah. Game two. Luke Holman to start the game. Transfer out of Alabama. Um, not not to say I told you so, but uh, I was a big fan of Holman the entire offseason. Talked about him every time we talked about LSU baseball on the pod, about how confident I was that he was going to be one of our starting pitchers, if not our Friday guy. Um, and then he comes out, pitches five innings, um, only allows three hits. Um, has 10 strikeouts to go along with it. I mean, he has a he has a, a good mid-90s fastball to go along with a low-90s changeup, so hitters trying to figure that out on your first time on the mound. Um, 
not too easy to figure out, especially when we're playing teams like VMI and Central Arkansas. Um, but Luke Holman had a fantastic first outing. I was really excited. And um, he did exactly what I thought he would do. I th- he came out, didn't allow many hits. They averaged a one six seven batting average off of him. And then gets 10 strikeouts to match it. Um, my thing that I said after I saw him pitch is he has potential to be Omaha Ty Floyd, but every inning, every time he comes out. Yeah, um, what an Omaha. Omaha Ty Floyd. Ty Floyd got him into the first round. Ty Floyd was Absolutely. probably a third to fourth round pick in the MLB draft. And he goes, I think he went with the last pick in the first round or second to last pick in the first round um, because of what he did in Omaha. And I think Luke Coleman can come in day in, day out and do that. And uh, not to say where he's going to go in the draft, but I could see him being a first round MLB draft pick um, if he holds up to the standard that he put just in week one. Yeah, I mean, wow. we've we've got a lot of high standards in pitching at LSU now, especially after Paul Skeens just left. You didn't see anything, like, super special like that out of anybody this weekend, but you definitely saw some solid arms. I mean, guys like Nate Ackenhausen continue doing the same thing that they left off on last season. Nasty Nate. Nasty Nate gets you out of jams, gives you 60 pitches, and then you pull him out of the game. It's yep. what he does. Gavin Guidry comes in in trouble situations, gets you out of those, doesn't pitch much after that. Um, but one of my most improved players of the offseason, Sam Dutton, actually looked very, very good. He was one of the guys last year that I was like, man, we're putting Dutton in the game. Like, mm-hmm. we, we might as well just chalk up a couple runs. But he worked on his velo this offseason. He's pumping in the 90s now. I mean – he gave up one hit and uh, struck two out in the first game. Anything? Gotta love it from the duck. Uh, yeah, I know I've been working all weekend, so I haven't really got to catch any of the games. That and you know the fact that they're only aired on SEC Network Plus right yeah. now. <laughs> so, um, you know, I catch them when I can. Uh, unfortunately, we were pretty busy this weekend, so I wasn't able to to um, catch any of them. But I did, you know, go through the recaps, watch some highlights. And um, from what I've gathered, it was basically what I expected this season. That pitching was just outstanding all throughout. Like, yeah, some guys look shaky, but, you know, the scoreboard says it all. Like, I get you're playing these small teams, but they're still, they still have the ability to hit. They still have the ability to scratch some runs, and we kind of didn't allow that too much. Um, there were a few games that I thought were closer than they should have been, but overall we still come out with a win regardless of that scenario. But I think that that leans more towards our bats and we didn't really see the explosion we were expecting until their most recent game where it was what 24 to 7 that was a sunday Sunday game yep yeah they played again on monday and it was it was a struggle fest from the bats but central arkansas has got some great pitching i mean and and that's what i've seen too looking at through the uh you know not not the scouting report obviously i didn't go and scout central (laughs) arkansas but just the box score and the recap they i know that we have some dogs in this roster and to see what Central Arkansas is doing to that, I'm not necessarily too worried about our players' potential and talent. More of a hats off to the pitching rotation from Central Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. I think it was really interesting for the matchup Central Arkansas and VMI. VMI was basically all bats, no pitching. Central Arkansas was all pitching, no bats. So if you look at those box scores, you know, with the VMI first game, you're going to see, I mean, 20 runs between the two teams and then they were top five in run scored last year yeah i think like they, they were they were they in all everybody. of d1 yeah they were they were top five and uh run scored and then you know they we let them score 
almost double digits in the first game, held them to about five in the second game, even though we scored 27 runs. And then the two Central Arkansas games, you see two lower-scoring affairs where it was more of a pitching duel. Um, speaking of our pitching specifically, I mean, I think, like you said, Thatcher's going to figure it out. He's got to get those first-game nerves out. This is his first time being an ace. Um, so, you know, there is something that comes along with that, whether – he wants to admit it or Jay Johnson wants to admit it or whatever, like you're going to have some pressure on you and everybody understands that. Uh, Holman looked great. Javen Coleman looked improved from last season. Not that he is, you know, a consistent weekend starter, but what we saw versus Texas A&M in the SEC, cha- uh, SEC tournament last year versus what we see now, I like Javen Coleman a lot more. Um, you know, had some middle guys struggle um, with Griffin Herring and – Cam Johnson, the true freshman, came out and did not do what we thought he could do. Um, Will Helmers was okay. Um, Not spectacular, but not terrible. Um, Cade Woods, another transfer from Alabama, wasn't, again, not spectacular. He wasn't spectacular, but he wasn't, like, horrible. Yeah. Um, I was really impressed by Cade Anderson. Um, He ended up coming out and starting for us in game four and looked fantastic as a freshman. I mean... He did what kind of kind of what Thatcher did towards the end of the season last year, where he wasn't like, "Holy crap, this guy's amazing!" But you could see the potential in him, and he was doing that as a true freshman. Um, I'm still a hater of Christian Little and Gavin Gidry, so I'm not going to give them any credit. But here's um, a here's what I have to say on Christian Little. Okay, uh, Gavin Gidry, I think we all agree on him. You know, he he can come in, pump a few, yeah. but you got to get him out quick because they yeah. catch on yeah. fast. Christian Little, I think, has all the potential in the world to be an ace closer. He's got the velo. He's got a nice breaking ball. His problem is... Added a cutter this offseason, too. Yeah. His problem is his own head. Uh, Last year, you know, he came out, start the season great. He had an excellent season up until we got to SEC play. And since then, I think that he was just trying to do too much. He was trying to throw as hard as he can, trying to be the next Paul Skeens that he was psyching himself out, forcing all these walks, all these wild pitches, all these hits, all these runs, to where he doesn't have to do that, right? He can be his own player. He doesn't have to be Paul Skeens. No one is going to be Paul Skeens on this team. No. You're not going to recreate or replace that kind of player unless you do it as in the a, aggregate as an <laughs> entire pitching rotation. Oh. Entire pitching staff. That's how you make up for this. And I think they built that. I think they have that. But Christian Little in himself just needs to calm down, see who he is, and play his game. He's been trying to throw way too hard, been trying to mix it up, look too fancy, stick to the basics, and I think he's got it. He has such great potential to be a closer, not only in this level, but in the next level. Like I said, that high velo is what you're looking for in a closer at this stage. Yeah, I mean, from the pitching staff, there's four guys, each of them in their own individual game that I really saw something special in them. Game one, Gage Jump came in in the ninth inning, set everybody down. Like, he he is as advertised. I believe Jay Johnson's going to slowly work him in. You may even see him start a couple weekends. But he just came off of Tommy John, so just got to make sure he's 100%. So at some point he'll probably be a starter because his – he pitches legit, but I mean he's not even a full year removed from Tommy John, so he's just working back in. And then in game two, uh, Fidel Uyoa 
great pronunciation on that. Well, yeah, what was that that call that you were talking about? Ooh, yo, ooh, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's... Greatest stash in the game. Yeah, greatest stash in the game by far. But he looks like the next Riley Cooper. Like, the guy that Jay Johnson's going to turn and be like, hey, I need, I need a couple outs. Get him in the game. He's going to pitch again this weekend. Fidel Yoa doesn't necessarily strike strike out a ton of guys, but lets the defense play behind him. And I mean, I th- I think he's legit. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with what he's doing so far. It is week one. I mean, we're not not saying that he's going to be this elite guy or nothing like that. But he had a great great outings. He played in two games this this weekend, and then in game three, of course, the guy I'm loving the most this off season, Aiden Moffitt. Came in, did the same thing as Gage Jump. Gave up no hits in the ninth inning. Struck out one. Don't say it. I'm saying it. Don't say it. If you look at the stats, it's one of the best closers in LSU history. After one game. <laughs> <laughs> he said this during the game, and I was like, you're not saying that on the pod. And he's like, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. And then he said it like two hours ago, and I was like, you're not saying that on the pod. And he was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> and then he just said it on the pod. Yeah, and then game four's pitcher that I wanted to highlight is Kate Anderson. I know you talked about him already. Freshman, I think he's LSU's future ace. Guy that's going to pitch all three years uh, as a starter. Uh, Struck out six, only faced 17, walked three. He has, he's 93 to 95 from the left side with a crazy curveball. Yeah. I mean, those guys that you talked about really did look special. Um, Kate Anderson, obviously, I already talked about. Aiden Moffitt, as much as much as I hate hearing you talk about him, because literally every time a pitch was thrown in all of the games <laughs> that I sat with him, maybe they're putting Aiden Moffitt in. Moffitt, he should start. He even Where's wrote, Moffitt? He even wrote down Aiden Moffitt could be considered one of the best <laughs> closers in LSU. It's been one game. Yeah, no, he is. he has a man crush on Aiden Moffitt for sure. Um but Fidel looked awesome. Kate Anderson looked great. Aiden Moffitt really did look good as much as we want to talk about Rebo's man crush. Um, Gage Jump looked fantastic. Um, Justin Lohr, I think, from game one to game four when he made his next appearance, had a huge improvement. Yep. Um, I know he threw like 26 to 28 pitches in that first game um, and was just kind of okay, but... Then he comes in in game four, strikes out three after facing four. Um, so got to gotta love that. And then the only thing we have to talk about left with pitching, and then I want to get into kind of our bats. Yeah. Um, Jaden Newt is still going to come back at some point this season, we're assuming. Uh, missed all of last season with Tommy John. Um, I am saying he's probably going to be back for SEC play, if I had to guess. I think they'll try to warm him up during like midweek games before then, and then they'll really get him rolling once SEC gets here. Um, and then we are unsure of Chase Shores. We don't know if he'll pitch at all. We don't know if they'll wait until SEC play, SEC tournament, what they'll do with him. Um, but he's coming off of Tommy John as well, so we'll see if Chase Shores gets any playing time. And if he does, I expect him uh, to be, if he is fully healthy, I expect him to be high up in that rotation um, with what we saw out of him last year. Before we uh, step over to the hitting stats, um just on this pitching rotation, you know, like I like I said previously, it is almost impossible to replace a player with the caliber of Paul Skeens. Um, you're not going to do it with one player. 
obviously not in one year, but to have this rotation the year after we win a national championship, the year after we win Paul Skeens, I think that our scenario is the best it could possibly be. Yeah. I, I mean, love all these, the potential of all these kids. I think we're looking good. I think even though, you know, we can say negative things about guys like Helmers and Johnson and Herring, um, the fact that the number one and number two teams both lost a game this weekend yeah, and we were able to come out of this weekend 4-0 and pitching everyone on our staff says a lot about what we're doing both in the pitching and in the hitting. I mean, we had true freshmen like Stephen Milam and Jake Brown at the bat hitting over, over 500. 500. Jake Brown was our second leading hitter right now and that's because Malazzo only got four at bats. Brown got <laughs> ten. He's he's batting six hundred. Uh, Stephen Milam came out of nowhere, led off uh, one game, and looked fantastic from the one hole. Um, he's he was a great player out of high school in New Mexico. I know <laughs> Rebo loves that stat. Um, his slugging was insane for a guy his size. But um, uh, Milam's great. Jake Brown is great. Um, my my biggest question mark on the hitting was. Kind of the same question mark from last year is, what if your stars aren't hitting? If your stars can't connect, is everybody else going to be able to make up for it? Last year was Dylan Cruz, Trey Morgan, Tommy White. If those three guys aren't hitting, what's going to happen behind them? This year, it's more of Tommy White, Hayden Travinsky. What's going to happen behind them? And I think that question was answered for me with guys like Milam, Jake Brown, and a guy who I've been on since the beginning, Mac Bingham. Yeah, I mean, like you said, other than Hayden Travinsky... Every, the, your other stars didn't have great weekends. Yep. Hayden Dravinsky went eight for fourteen on the weekend. SEC Player of the Week. Absolutely pimped a homer. Greatest bat flip of all time, and he didn't even flip it. <laughs> Just stared directly it on at the, the dugout, through. spit on the spit on the back, dropped it, and just kept walking. It was like, oh, okay, He's him. yeah, okay. And I mean, like, we joke that Malazzo's. That uh, has the highest batting average and only batting four times, but they were really good at bats. Like he's yeah. got two RBIs and everything was the opposite way through through the hole in the defense. I mean, it's it definitely improved from last season. Um, of course, Milam's on base percentage was ridiculous. If you if you don't look at Monday stats, like uh, Central Arkansas's pitcher. The guy they put came out of the pen with was throwing sidearm and nobody could hit him. Like he, they only pitched two two pitchers. Um. Also, the guy I was most skeptical about this season, Bear Jones, couldn't really hit a breaking ball last year. But good lord, has he pimped a couple? Yeah, I mean yep. seven RBIs already. Yeah, seven RBIs, three three home runs. Um. Pretty good on base percentage as well. Not necessarily doesn't necessarily have to hit it out of the park every time, but he's going to hit it pretty far. And that's kind of the point I wanted to talk about is comparing this year to last year's. We don't have to hit the ball out the park every like last year. The home run numbers we put up are not first of all not sustainable, yeah. and second of all not going to happen. <laughs> like that's just not going to happen. You don't have cruise missiles and Trey Morgan hitting bombs, and Belly I bombs. know we still have Travinsky and Jared Jones, but. I mean, Dugas was hitting home runs last year. Was he? I mean, like, Cade Beloso, like you said. Like, we had a lineup Joe full. Bombs. 
of <laughs> home wow. runs. We had wow. lineup <laughs> yeah. full of home runs. And this year, I don't think we're going to get that. But what I do think we get, and we saw a lot in that 27-run game, is hard-hit ground balls or hard-hit line drives in between the gaps. They're putting the ball where the defense isn't. And, I mean, it doesn't have to be a home run to be a good baseball. Right. Yeah. Um, you can hit RBI singles. You can hit, you know, every now and then hit a double and then not maybe knock one out of the park. But as long as you're putting the ball where the defense isn't, you're going to get on base. And I think that is the most important part about this LSU team is, although we're not built the same, we still have the same tendencies of getting on base and scoring runs. And that's how you win baseball games. And in some cases, um, it's almost better to like you know not always have the ability to hit that home run ball um, because it clears the bases. It gives the pitcher a fresh mindset, a fresh start. When you keep runners on base and you keep hitting them around, he's always going to be in the stretch. He's always going to be worried about these base runners. So it, it's kind of like a, a mind game in itself, being able to keep the ball in play, keep the ball rolling, go through the lineup, not hitting the ball at the park every time, but just getting on base. And they're doing that well, and I think they will continue to do that well. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we can't pass up the monster game of Game 3 from Brady Neal. He had all six of his RBIs in that game. He had all three of his hits in that game. Also hit a grand slam. Like, the bat's definitely coming along. We knew he was a great defensive catcher. We knew he had a decent bat, but I was not expecting him to get that ball over the right field wall. No, uh, he 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 smacked it uh, for a grand slam. And um, last part about LSU baseball, we've talked about pitching, we've talked about hitting, got to talk about the defense in the field. Um you know, like you said with the the catcher, I mean, all three of our catchers Threw caught a runner. Threw a guy and out. I think Neil did it twice in one game. So we have defense from behind the plate, which is really, really important. We saw uh, Rebo and I were watching some highlights from other games, and there were catchers out there who simply could not control the pitcher, could not keep the ball in their glove, and it was allowing three, four runs to score at a time, and that loses you ball games. Your pitcher may be delivering, but if the catcher's not having that chemistry, if the catcher's not being able to throw out base runners, frame the ball, then it's not going to work out well. And we have three great defensive catchers. Um, we have Michael Braswell, who the bat's not moving right now. That was something he struggled with at South Carolina. But I think we saw just from this first weekend as he understands how to play the ball at the shortstop position. He doesn't wait back on it. He rushes when he needs to rush, and he makes – fine footwork into an explosive throw to first. And we saw it multiple times throughout this weekend. Um, so that's something I'm looking forward to with this team is we finished 11th out of 14th last year in fielding percentage in the SEC. Um, I would love for us to finish top five. And right now, I don't think we have many errors, if any. Um, I know we win two games without any. Um, I'm not sure on the other two. But if our defense can hold behind our pitcher – and our bats can move well enough to score some runs, this LSU team's in in a good spot to go back to Nebraska. Yeah, and you can't say defense without Paxton Kling this weekend. I mean, ball just died in between left and center, and Paxton Kling just dove from off the screen and made the catch. I mean, he's not batting well, just like Braswell right now, but he's sure showing up on defense. Yeah. And I think that can make up for some, you know, when you're not hitting well, if uh, if you have a bullpen 
that's hitting the strike zone and you have a defense behind them who's not going to allow runners to score, then um, you'll have you'll have time to get hot because we know there's no suppressing this lineup. You can try and try and try, but as we saw in every game that we played this weekend, they're going to score runs. Like, it's going to yeah. happen. Um, so uh, I'm really excited for this LSU baseball team because they're so different than we were last year, but they're still effective. Last year was all vets and guys we knew we were going to lose, and this was their last shot to win a ring, and they did it. Um, and they were electrifying, hitting balls over the fence. And, I mean, it, it was just a crazy chemistry team. And this team feels like kind of a ragtag group with a bunch of guys coming from fr- uh, from high school and transfer portal, and yet we're still making it work. Um, so I think this is going to be a really fun LSU season. Can't wait to keep moving forward through it. And uh, moving on from the college ranks to the professional guys, we're going to be uh, we're going to be talking about some New Orleans Pelicans. Hmm. New Orleans Pelicans currently sitting at fifth seed coming out of the all-star break that just happened this weekend. Um, I believe they're tied with the Suns for the fifth seed. Uh, So... Above that play-in mark that, you know, we have to try to avoid if we can, we have a fairly easy March. But, Rebo, we have a very tough April. Yeah, I mean, you end March with a three-game stretch of Thunder, Bucks, Celtics, and then you begin April with Suns, Magic, Spurs, Suns, and then you end the season with Kings, Warriors, Lakers. Yeah, I mean, there's only eight games in April. There's... Two that you can take off. Yeah, the rest of it is is going to be intense. But the beginning of March, you're already above 500. Quite a bit above 500 as well. Yeah, like this is. I think I remember them saying this was the best record that this franchise has had going into the All Star break since 0809. So 33 and 22 right now, 11 games over 500. And that's that's before we were even called the Pelicans. We were the Hornets back then, and that's including three playoff teams since we've been the Pelicans. Trevor Ariza might have been on that team. Probably. He was. It was Trevor Ariza <laughs> and Chris Paul and Emeka Okafor and Maybe David West. <laughs> and Maybe even Willie Green. It's possible. I, it's, possible. it's possible. I don't remember, but I don't I don't think he was. But, um, I mean, yeah, those, Jerry Jack. those were some days back then. Grievous Vasquez might have even been on the squad. So, um, God, what, well, what are we talking <laughs> what <a bull>. about? <laughs> um, you stop. But, yeah, uh, that March-April turn looks brutal. End of April looks brutal. But we are, like you said, well above 500. And if we can stay afloat, we stay out of the play-in, which I think staying out of the play-in for this team is huge. That's a few more days off, and that's some rest where you get to to scout and look at other teams that you might be playing. And, I mean, we've we've had to play in the play-in, what, the past, every year the play-ins existed. Feels we've yeah. been in yeah. the play-in. <laughs> I think yeah. this is our third year. Yeah. And... Um, if we can if we can stay above that and avoid that and even if we can if we can lock up a top 4 seed where we get home home court advantage and uh round 1 that'll be huge for us as well. Um and I I don't think it's impossible at this point. Yeah, and we're at All-Star break, so got to speak about the All-Star break and Draymond Green was on I was going to bring on that the up broadcast as well. saying, well, uh Charles Barkley asked him Pelicans are one of the deepest teams. Like, they're actually going to be a, a threat. They've three-headed monster, this, that, and a third. Yeah. 
and Draymond Green said nobody's worrying about the New Orleans Pelicans. Fine. And that's don't worry about him. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thought from Draymond Green to say ain't nobody worried about the New Orleans Pelicans when the last time we played them last month we beat them by thirty five points. And um, they got booed the out Warriors of their own building. Got booed out of the Chase Center. Um, so we beat them by 35. We caused their fans to boo them after they've been the biggest basketball dynasty we've seen in the past 10 years. The only guy that didn't play um, was Clay. What was that? The only guy for them that, that did not play was Clay. Yeah, so it was two healthy squads, and we, we scored 141 on them. Uh, Draymond Green is being passed up by a rookie whose last name I can't even pronounce right now. Um, oh, Braden Kaczynski. Less than 30 games a season, so he's doing a whole lot of talking for somebody who's not on the court. They're the 10 seed. He might even get... They might miss the play-in. He might get suspended again because he's been getting chippy again. For a guy who got suspended for 15 games, a guy whose team is one game above 500 as opposed to 11, and a guy who is looking like they're on the they're on the brink of not even making the play-in, he's doing a whole lot of... Gum yapping. You forgot to mention the guy who week in, week out wins the Charmin Ultra Soft Player of the Week. Him and Jay Crowder are fighting every day of the week. I mean, listen, I know Draymond Green's whole thing is getting under people's skin and being like the villain of the NBA. What a heel. But if you're, he is a heel. (laughs) But if you're going to trash talk, at least have something to back it up. And right now, the Warriors have nothing to back up any trash talk. I mean, Steph won. Sure. <laughs> sure. But obviously he won. Yeah, I mean. She also shot from the NBA line. The WNBA line's a little different. Why did that even exist? No one knows. Yeah. I, I don't. They're yeah. just trying to get as much gimmicks as they can. And I, oh yeah. I, I don't pay attention to All-Star hey, Weekend. For the, the first celebrity time, game was nice. I didn't watch the celebrity game, but the skills challenge was actually entertaining. Micah Parsons won All-Star Celebrity MVP, yeah. scored was, like was, 34 it points. It was star-studded. CJ Stroud. A YouTuber. I don't remember his name, but I've seen T-Jazz. Him. Yeah, Jazz. T-Jazz, yeah. He, he he's, balled. He's a baller. Definitely um, a Puka Nakua. CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud, dropping Who dimes. Just got his jersey today. Thought about wearing it on the pod, but they were wearing baseball jerseys, so I wore a baseball jersey as well. Um, but I did just get my CJ Stroud jersey in the mail because I am CJ Stroud's biggest fan. He is my number one favorite NFL player. Um, Two of the biggest mouths in sports history, and Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. Smith. You could hear them from the sideline. <laughs> they probably had them mic'd up. I don't think they did. I don't <laughs> think it matters. I don't think it matters. But uh, moving forward for the Pels, um, for me, I, th- I think a key here, or two two keys is on the court. It looks like we finally have that chemistry. Like, it looks like everybody understands what their role is on this team, and it may be different than what they've done in the past. I know Zion talked about it earlier in the season. He's like, I'm still trying to figure out where I fit in. And for a guy who went number one overall and was the biggest prospect since LeBron James to say, I don't know where I fit in, that was a crazy statement back then. But now we figured out where he fits in. It's let him bring the ball up the court. Let's have some a little bit of movement. He's not the greatest off-ball mover we've ever seen, obviously. Um, he, he he likes to either sit in the corner, or sit in the dunk spot, or even dominate from the top of the key. But Brandon Ingram is Brandon Ingram. He hits those mid-range shots. He's great at off-ball movement. C.J. McCollum has, has done a great job of being able to balance both being a point guard and an off-ball guy. Um, and then I think we're doing really good as far as depth goes right now. I think, I think our guys are coming off the bench. They're playing their role. And then um, 
the number one guy I want to talk about is Herb Jones. Herb Jones has been one of the best players in the NBA over the past month. He is one of, if not the best wing defender in the NBA. He was shooting like 55, 42, 85 splits in January. Um, I think he was top 10 in three-point percentage in all of January. And he's doing all of that while also being that great defender. So we have guys who are acquiring new roles and fitting them well, guys who are taking different roles um, and, and learning how to adjust to what we have going on. And I'm, I'm really excited about what this team can do if we can, if we can stay healthy and keep pushing towards the playoffs. Yeah, I think the, the biggest key for the next coming weeks is going to be this coming week. Like, we got five games in six days. You have to win four of them. Yes. We're playing the Rockets on Thursday, the Heat on uh, Friday. I believe both are in New Orleans. Let me double check. Yeah, both are in New Orleans. Um, Heat, they can be great. They can be bad. Yeah. So you don't know. Like, that's going to be one of my toss-up games. And then Sunday you host the Bulls, which... As long as Kobe White doesn't go off again like he did last time, <laughs> yeah. we've got a we've got a real nice chance of winning. Yep. Um, and then you get a back to back in New York and in Indiana. Those those are more scary than the others, I would believe. I think those are two series we could probably split. Yeah, I'm um, I'm worried about the Heat and the Pacers. The Knicks just don't match up well against us. They haven't in the past. We've We've owned them in the past two years. They're they're just different this year, and I I, I kind of like the New York Knicks this year. I would think they made some good moves at the trade deadline, and I think they're a little bit better than they normally are. They're yeah. a top four seed in the East, but um, if the Pelicans can come out of what that six game stretch, five games in six days, five games in six days, if we can come out of those six days with four wins, I'll feel really good about what we did. That that makes me feel like we're actually like we want the playoffs. So we want a home, we want home court advantage. Like that. That's this is going to be my test of seeing how hungry this team is. You're out of. You're coming out of a huge break. You get a whole week off. So let's let's see what we can do. I'm not saying this team isn't hungry, but oh no. I mean, we know they're I, hungry, but do they do they want it as bad? Do as they want, we it want it as bad as they did that play-in game against the Clippers? Yeah, that's what I judge everything against now. Because if you look back at that playoff game against the Clippers, they were diving for every single ball. They were defending harder than they defended all season. They wanted that win so bad. And then we went play the Suns, and they wanted that even more. Um, so if, if they can have that same level of energy that they had two years ago when we had that Clippers and Suns uh, matchup in the playoffs, man, it'll be tough to beat now that they're playing like they're playing. Um, I had one question that I wanted to ask you guys before we move on from the Pels, and that is Dyson Daniels is out for what they expect to be about the next month. Uh, MCL injury meniscus. and meniscus injury, excuse me. Um, and already had surgery. Yes, he did already have surgery. They said he'll re- they'll reevaluate him in four weeks. Um, so he'll probably miss about a month from here on out. Um, he'll he'll probably return. You know, at that March to April turn and get ready for the where we need for the most. playoffs. <laughs> um, who do you think fills his minutes while he's gone? I mean, minutes. how do you think? How do you think? How do you think Willie Green structures the rotation to make up for the loss of Dyson Daniels? Yeah, the minutes question is easy. Like, it's it's Jordan Hawkins. Yeah, he's got to be. But the impact... I would hope so. The defensive impact is the big question mark. Mm-hmm. Who are you? Who comes off the bench to guard the big guard? 
Not the like Jose can lock up the point guard, but who's guarding Paul George whenever uh, right Herb goes to the bench? Which we're gonna need some some help from Najee. Najee needs to pick it up defensively. We know we know he prides himself uh, on both the defensive and offensive side, and I'm not really sure who else who else can pick up his defensive slack. Yeah, I think that was my biggest question too. Is like we don't have a bench defender now. I mean, Larry's okay at protecting the rim, and Najee's Najee's a really good rotational defender. I think, yeah. but. I wouldn't say Najee's a lockdown artist like Herb is, but Dyson was. Like as much as I I don't like Dyson's offensive game, I think he might be the best player that gives you zero points. He locked up Luca as eighteen year old. Like, yeah, like Dyson is a fantastic legit. defender. Um, again, I still hate on him because of his offense, but that's my own bias. I mean, Herb was the same way when he, yeah, when he was young. obviously. Um, yeah, and we didn't see Herb till he was twenty six. True, <laughs> um, but. You know, I think I think the defense is the scariest part of losing Dyson, but hopefully he'll be back in time for that March April term where we really start taking on uh, those those good deep teams like the Bucks and the Celtics and the Suns. Um, yeah, if he can be back for that Celtics game where we can put him on Derek White, that is an ideal matchup because Derek White is like for some reason the greatest bench player of all time this season. Oh yeah. Um, but hopefully Najee Marshall can step up, play some good defense. My guy, Kenneth Murphy the third, um, he needs to step it up on the defensive end as well. He's a he's he's a hot shooter for sure, and he's a very athletic player who can score at the rim. Um, but he he can he definitely stands for improvement on the defensive end. So we'll see where that gets made up. And um, I think I found my answer. What's your answer? I think it has to be your stars. Zion proved that he can be a lockdown defender. He one man trapped Lonzo uh, Lamelo Ball in a corner. Uh, Brandon Ingram can show some defensive prowess. He's the longest guy we have. This is his best defensive season to date. Um, I saw some stats backing that up. I'm not just saying it because I felt like it. So I mean, I mean, when Herb goes to the bench, one of those guys is going to be in. CJ has also played some really good defense this year. We He's just more have of a to pesky guy than he is a a lockdown, right. but but I mean, those guys are gonna have to step up and they know it. We have to count on guys to play both ends of the floor. I think that's what it is. Is we can't have slacking off. We can't have Zion trying to cherry pick and just kind of lollygagging onto the defensive side, or Brandon Ingram just kind of filling up paint, or CJ sitting at the top of the key and waiting for someone to try to shoot on him. Like it has to be intense, hungry defense. And if we can get that while Dyson's gone and then Dyson comes back in, fills his role, like I said, this team can lock up a top four seed, get home court advantage for the playoffs, and they're a scary team to face no matter what Draymond Green says. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk Forever about something. Forever and ever. Amen. Randy Travis. So we're going to talk about something we've uh, never talked about really on the pod. And like I said, free bird rule, new wrestling pod out of the no. So we're going to talk about uh, some WWE. So we've never really talked about it on the pod, but we are some fairly uh, fairly big wrestling fans in the household. We 
we watch it. Uh, I think I, me, myself and Rebo Hustle might watch it a little bit more than Mustang over there, but... I, I used to, like, very much into it 10 or so years ago, 2010s, mm-hmm. late 2000s, early 2010s, that era. Yeah. The Randy Orton era. Yeah. The Edge era. Yep. That... That, that was, was an nice. era. That, that was, was nice. an era. Um, but, you know, I think I've kind of fully dived back into it. I, I know every storyline. I know. From what I've been, you know, witnessing and hearing and, like, all the the, the stories and programs going on. Programs. It, it sounds very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think they're getting back to yeah. one of the, I mean, it's, it's the probably biggest it's the ever best been. it's been since yeah. the Attitude Era. Yes. As far as absolutely money goes and. Attendance goes, it is the biggest it's been since, like, Stone WWE versus WCW days. Like, it is absolutely hitting on all cylinders right now, and I think a lot of that has to do with who's at the top. Um, you know, I think having Triple H in there, who was a star for 20 years, and now he's running the show, he understands what it's like to be on both sides, and he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, Shawn Michaels is running NXT, and their development program is outstanding right now they've had so many people come up to the main roster recently who are just as good on the main roster as they were in developmental and they have so many more people who are ready to come up um so i'm really excited about what's going on and we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna give our elimination chamber match predictions so if you're not into wrestling can't wait to hear who's in it if you're not into wrestling go ahead and uh at least at least try to listen and you know maybe this will pique your interest you can watch it for You you Maybe can watch it for free on Peacock if you have Peacock already. Maybe it'll bring you back to yeah. to the childhood. For free on the service that you pay for. Yeah, correct. <laughs> to um, the Undertaker being the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, unfortunately this pay-per-view is in uh, Perth, Australia. So it's going to be airing at a strange time, 4 a.m. Central where we are. But, um, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we're not going to be watching it live probably, but... We'll we'll go back and we'll I see. Might. If I'm working days, I might. <laughs> I I will not be. Um, can or confirm. If I'm working nights, I might just stay up. Can confirm. I will not be watching it. They <laughs> might. Um, but I think I think it's gonna be fun. I'm I'm fully, a hundred percent back in on on WWE at this point. So, this is something fun for us to talk about. And if you enjoy what we're talking about, go ahead and check out Freebird Rule, a wrestling podcast through the No Network. What's the first match we got? So I don't think that they have an official like, this is the order yet. Okay. But the first one on this is uh, the Women's World Championship, Rhea Ripley versus Nia Jax, which I kind of expect to be the main event just because we're in Perth and uh, Rhea Ripley's from Australia. She's normally a heel, is going to be the face of the show. Yep. Um, it's hard to say that Rhea Ripley will ever lose. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, it is the only world title being defended. Especially in Australia. It's in <laughs> Australia where Rhea Ripley's from. Even though she is a heel, she's a face basically everywhere she goes. And if you think that's going to change in Australia, boy, oh boy, she might get the loudest pop she's ever got. Um, and she's facing somebody who everybody hates, Anaya Jax. So uh, it'll be real easy for Rhea Ripley to get over in Australia. I could definitely see this being the main event. Um, yeah. Either this or the men's elimination chamber match, I think. But there's no way Rhea Ripley loses going into WrestleMania. Um, she's held it for a long time. She's been a great champion um, as far as defending her belt. She defends it quite often, and she does it well. So I expect her to keep on rolling into WrestleMania. 
Yeah, something weird for this storyline that we saw on Monday night. Uh, the women's elimination chamber is going to be for Rhea Ripley's belt. And so all six of the women that are in the chamber were in the ring towards the end of the show, and Nia Jackson came in and squashed all of them. So, like, why that didn't make much sense to me, especially if you're going to say Nia Jackson's going to lose uh, this coming Saturday. And so you're saying that she's be- she's better than all six of them together? I think I think the whole point was to try to make Nia Jax look strong just, and push her into just push the, this match. Push it into this match to make people think, hey, maybe there is a shot that she can take it from Rhea. Every, even though everybody knows she's not, yeah, yeah. Um, you've got to make the opponent look strong to make it believable to the audience. Because all in all, this is entertainment. It's not like it's not like they're actually going in there and they don't know the winner before the match starts. Um, so. I think I think it was just trying to make Nia Jax look strong, but uh, Rhea Ripley will come out with a win in this one. Yeah, um, I'm going to save the two chamber matches for the end. Okay. So the other title that's going to be on the line is the undisputed tag champs, uh, Judgment Day versus Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate. I mean, Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate are great and all, but there's they're not on Damian Priest and uh, nor Tom and Nick. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Or Finn Balor's Didn't level. Think about it like that. I mean, those guys are both have been in the championship scene. Senior Money in the Bank has the briefcase right now. Yeah, clearly has to be in the championship conversation. Um, Finn Balor's held the belt before, whereas Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne, if we're kind of being honest, they're they're kind of recent NXT call ups. Tyler Bate for sure. Pete Dunne, I know he's been a brawling brute for a little while. He was Butch. He was Butch. He was Butch, but. They're uh, still, they still have much room to grow. They they were a great tag team when they were British Strong style, Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. And then, you know, they had great runs in NXT. But like you said, on the main roster, they haven't been huge. Um, they haven't held any singles titles on the main roster. Um, although they're fighting again here as a tag team, I just felt like there hasn't been enough storyline to really give me any reason to think that Judgment Day will lose them here. Um, I think it's a Commonwealth thing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been a lot of storyline as far as the Judgment Day within itself. But there hasn't been enough between them and Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn for me to think that that's going to be who takes the belts off of them. If anybody was going to do it, I thought it would be DIY. They were getting a, a good little push there. Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano won a tournament and then the Creed Brothers had ended up beating too. them um, in a non-title match. And then they get the title match and it doesn't work out. But uh, yeah, I think Judgment Day reigns strong here as they have been for the past six to eight months. Just absolutely dominating the WWE. You know, I have seen some pretty good uh, tag teams as of late. You know, like Imperium, uh, New Day. Creed Brothers. Creed. I love Creed. Scott Stapp. <laughs> Scott Stapp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yet, like, um, when we were, not that long ago, we went into. Right before the Royal Rumble. Yeah, right before the Royal Rumble, we went in and saw. Raw. So we, it was Raw. <laughs> yep, live in person. And uh, started off with a bang tag team match. Yep. Kofi Kingston can put on a show. Yes, he can. I've also seen <laughs> a lot more chops lately. Chops, you say? Chops. Gunter? Chop. Is chop. He's a chopper. He's a chopper. Some would say. Um, but yeah, New Day and Imperium have been a fun little thing. I think they're actually going to fight in a, uh, uh, like a 
no holds barred or street fight type match uh, next fight, week in yeah. Raw on Raw, I believe. Grocery store match. Um, so that'll be fun. <laughs> yep. Yeah. How you like this milk, Bucker? Uh, yeah, one of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think I think uh, Judgment Day comes away with the titles, and they'll probably defend them again at WrestleMania. Um, and I have my guess as to who they're going to be facing, but I think we can do a WrestleMania match card prediction. Oh, we'll definitely have like this. Uh, yeah. On another show, because I don't want to. I don't want to spoil. If we what continue I think. this. How we're doing? Yeah. Yeah. We we've we've got plenty of WWE to talk about. Oh yeah, we do. Anything yeah, on I can't this? Believe we're talking about WWE, and you don't have your belt on you right now. It's another room. We'll we'll save it for <laughs> when the we'll save it for when the title's being defended. Um, what's the next match we got? Um, the women's elimination chamber: Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, Tiffany Stratton, Naomi, and Raquel Rodriguez. I think it's a very talented group of people. Absolutely. Um, Bianca, one of the longest reigning women's champions and defended her belt like a champ multiple times. She was great um, when she held the title. Becky Lynch, one of the four horsewomen that came into WWE uh, with her, Charlotte, Bailey, and Sasha Banks um, back when they had the whole women's revolution about 10 years ago and they have taken it by storm, and Becky's been a big part of that. Tiffany Stratton, who's a recent call-up. Naomi, who just came back. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez, who's kind of always in the picture, but not ever in the picture. Just came back from injury, too. Yeah, I mean, and then uh, who was the last one I missed? Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan, who uh, also just returned from injury. So um, I think it'll be a good match. I think it'll be very entertaining. I think a lot of them are really sound, technical, very good in-the-ring wrestlers. It's yeah. not all about... Like, this women's division is not all about, like, looking pretty. It's about they are actually really good at wrestling. Yeah. Um. So, I think it's going to be an entertaining match, but um. I, I know I, I, I think I have Becky Lynch coming out on top. I see a lot of a lot of phones dropping. <laughs> some would say. I see a lot of potential in this match to to form some, some programs, start programs. some rivalries. But not only that, maybe see an alliance or two formed in this match. Okay. Yeah, I mean... I find that this chamber match is going to be more feel more like a number one contender match than the men's will, whereas the men's I feel like is going to be more of storyline starting. So I, I really feel like four out of the six girls can win. But yeah, it, I mean they've been building up Becky Lynch. They sent her to NXT to go win that title just to just to keep her away from uh, Rhea, Rhea Ripley. Ripley. Yep. And so I mean. The writing's kind of on the wall. Raquel Rodriguez wow. just fought her for the title and like two or three pay-per-views ago. Um, and so my, I guess the two horses in the race for me is Bianca and, and Becky. Becky Lynch. I mean, and of course, the man, Becky Lynch. I think my prediction comes to Becky um, because I also think it's going to be her and Bianca as the last two. And I think, uh, I think we're going to see Jade Cargill. Uh, show her face on this on this program, um, maybe as a distraction to Bianca, because um, I think you know they had a little face off at the Rumble and boy oh boy did the crowd erupt and they they looked great they had some great chemistry for them it being the first time they faced off so I think that's something we can carry into WrestleMania maybe even have them tag team for some reason and and, and go for those belts that haven't had much relevance recently so um, I think Becky Lynch comes out on top and faces Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania would be nice. Um, before we get into the last match, they have the Grayson Waller effect. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be Cody Seth Rhodes Rollins. and Seth Rollins 
um, kind of talking about the storyline that's going on right now with Roman Reigns and The Rock, which The Rock comes back, looks like Cody's giving up a spot. Rock turns heel, joins forces with Roman Reigns and the bloodline on this past episode of SmackDown. Um, going back to kind of that Hollywood 2003 Rock persona um, where he's just roasting the fans about being fat and having herpes and whatever he wants to say at that moment. So, um, no, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, I, I definitely will. <laughs> Probably am, but it would be but hear me out. <laughs> it would be awesome if I was right. But it kind of seems to me with the Rock coming back, with him creating all this drama within the WWE universe, him siding with Roman. Could we see a match between Roman Reigns and The Rock versus Cody Rhodes and Triple H? So, Triple H, no, because he has a pacemaker. Um, and it's pretty much... like they, That was something that got talked about right after the press conference because The Rock and Triple H had a big face-off. And, I mean, he was cursing... The Rock was cursing Triple H out, and everybody's like, oh, what if Triple H comes back? But then you really have to think about it, and this dude has electronics in his heart in case it stops. So, him being in a wrestling ring is not a good idea. Um, unless he's in a suit and tie and he's yelling into a microphone. That's unfortunate. Um, yeah, what so seems does to be suck. set up, getting set up, is, is a similar match with The Rock and Roman Reigns on night one of WrestleMania tagging up as the new bloodline versus Cody, Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. Um, that is kind of what I'm thinking it's going to lead to. Yeah, we've I think seen Cody some and Seth will be in this with the Grayson Waller effect. Grayson Waller will throw a couple jabs as far as like just... You know, being a heel as he does. is, yeah. uh, Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins will come at back at him. It'll look like it's about to get physical, and then you hear, "If you smell," Rock comes out, Roman comes out, stare down, and then some sort of interaction. Whether they say it out loud, whether they just look at the sign, but we get some sort of a glimmer into WrestleMania where it's going to be that tag team match of the New Bloodline versus Cody and Seth. Yeah, we've seen it in a couple promos on Raw where. Cody's in the middle of cutting a promo. Seth comes out, and I think the last last time they had that interaction, Seth said something about, you may need a shield. And so, like, they're definitely hinting at there's going to be some form of match, like we're saying, maybe night one of WrestleMania, and then both, uh, both men's belts are going to be defended on night two. But, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. There will be some form of shenanigans going on during the Grayson Waller effect. The shenanigans have happened once, so they definitely will shenan again. So you're telling me they name-dropped S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah, Seth Rollins said, you know, he's like, I have a history with Roman Reigns. I know what it takes to beat him. So there's nobody better to be your S.H.I.E.L.D. than me. And how does Dean Ambrose feel about this? Well, John Moxley is in uh, AEW, <laughs> and he's getting bloody every day. So I don't think he'll be back. Um, because he did not leave happy, and it doesn't seem like he'll ever be back yeah. in the WWE ring. But then again, CM Punk hell froze over, so we'll see. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think John Moxley plays oh, into this role man. at all. Um, seeing, seeing that would have been cool Punk in the the Royal Rumble. That that would have been cool for for Dean Ambrose um, to make a little bit of an appearance, but I don't think that'll happen. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think Cody and Seth versus Rock and Roman will happen. Uh, I'm thinking it's the main event of night one at WrestleMania, and then night two we have those guys fighting again uh, in separate matches with Rollins taking on the winner of this next match. 
I mean, they've got they've got main events locked up already. So well, Bailey Neal's guy have to fight. I understand one of the main <laughs> that. Um, I understand that's how, that's that how the rules work. Mm. We just stayed true to the rule at the press conference. See, but last year, the main event night one was a tag team match as well, where it was the Usos versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So they could always... They don't follow their own rules. <laughs> the women's match could go on first. First day of WrestleMania to kick you off. It could go on first of night two. It could go on right before the main event. Yeah. It, it could go on in that middle, middle of the match lull to make sure people stay engaged. Um, so... I don't know where that women's match fits in, but I, I think I think we'll definitely get some sort of match that pertains around these four guys. All right. So what is probably going to be the main event, if not the second to last of the yep. on the card, the men's wow. elimination chamber. You've got Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, L.A. Knight, Kevin Owens, and Logan Paul. So this one, Some like names. you said earlier, I think it's a big storyline match. Yeah, I I think that there's one clear guy that everybody thinks is going to win it because he's there's only one guy from Raw that's in this whole event. When I pointed that out to Reese, <laughs> he started busting out laughing and could not stop laughing. I was like, you know, this is the Raw championship because Reigns is on SmackDown, um, and he's been defending it on SmackDown, and this is a six-man match, and five out of the participants are on SmackDown. So if this is the Raw championship, and you have one raw fighter in the match, and he's also the favorite to win the match. Feels pretty solid. But I just thought of this just now. Okay. So Cody's got to go to SmackDown eventually. Yeah, he's gonna. I think we'll talk about Is this your predictions. If Maybe. a SmackDown player, if a SmackDown player, if if Cody wins and he stays on Raw, and then this ta- title goes to SmackDown. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm saying if one of the guys, one of the SmackDown guys wins the match, mm-hmm. that would be your trade, like the Kevin Owens and Jey Uso trade. Where Cody would then take the WWE title to Raw if he wins at WrestleMania. No. No? I mean, it's possible, but I'm saying Cody would go to SmackDown to continue the WWE title because the other, oh, and then the other title is on Raw. The elimination title. Elimination Chamber would go to Raw. I see what you're saying. That's on me. Um, sure. But it doesn't make much sense. I mean, LA Knight is blowing up over there. That wouldn't make much sense for your two biggest faces in your company, in my opinion, to face each other at WrestleMania. Um, Randy Ooh, Orton just... I would argue Cody Rhodes is the biggest face. Two biggest faces from each brand. Okay. Is that fair? Is Seth more over than, than Cody? He's I would belt. say I would say Cody's more over than Seth. Seth. I would say Seth and LA Knight are two and three. Okay. Three of your top faces. Two of your top three. Two of your top three faces face each other at WrestleMania. It doesn't make much sense to me. And Randy Orton just signed his contract with SmackDown. Didn't like that was very recently at mm-hmm. uh, Survivor Series. Um <laughs> KO just got traded SmackDown. And what what is Logan Paul even doing in this match? <laughs> Therefore, I mean, he just had one hell of a match against yeah Kevin Owens. Definitely, but would you put your prize fighter? You already got one belt that's barely being defended on any night of SmackDown. Yeah, would you want that to happen again? I mean, he doesn't necessarily have to win against Seth, but you 
You are, no, he just, he played. He fought Roman. Did not fight Seth. He's already got a title shot, and he has a title in his hands right now, which doesn't make much. Yeah, sense. Yeah, it, ma- it makes no sense for Logan Paul to win this match. He's panicking. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that leads you down to Bobby and Drew. Yeah. Um, Bobby's Bobby's already in a program with uh, what they call the Final Testament, which is Karrion Cross and AOP. Um, And I don't, you know, that's kind of a feud that's been going on. It's still going on. And I know the Street Profits versus AOP is is happening um, on the upcoming SmackDown. So I don't think that program's really going anywhere. And I can't see that being a world title program between Bobby Lashley and Karrion Cross. So. That leaves one guy yeah. to win this match, and it's the guy who they've been pushing for the past two months. He looked good going into the Royal Rumble. He was one of the final four. He's buried Sami Zayn. He made CM Punk look like a child in this promo. He has called out Seth Rollins. He has called out Cody Rhodes. And I think Drew McIntyre is the winner of this Elimination Chamber match. I don't yeah. think there's any other way to, to go about it. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, I don't know... As much as y'all know, um, as of the current state of the WWE, but what I do know is that Drew McIntyre is on the come up. You know, like um, like they had talked about recently, he was at the top when COVID. WWE was going through COVID, kind of at its lowest point, and a lot of people said that he didn't really deserve it. And now I think that his storyline is him coming up, proving that he deserves it, proving that he owns it. He's gonna win this. And I think his face to heel turn was so natural too. Like it didn't feel like he was one of those guys where all of a sudden he was a heel. Like it felt like it was building and building and he people were passing him up and he was like, I deserve more than this. Like, don't y'all see what's happening to me? And he finally snapped. And um I, I think they've they've done a really good job with Drew McIntyre's story. So yeah. I would love for this to finish with him winning the Elimination Chamber and getting an opportunity at a world title again. Yeah, I mean he's he's one of he has one of the most interesting characters in the WWE currently. Like he's not necessarily a full heel, not necessarily a full face. He's like this anti-hero. Yep. Where he's not teaming with the Judgment Day and taking the easy road out. He's really betting on himself, stuff like that. But uh I really feel like this match is going to be some storyline set up or also some storyline ending. Yep. Uh KO of course got caught cheating and lost his uh, fight at the Rumble with Logan Paul. And so I, I believe that that book will close in this match. And I also believe that Logan Paul, LA Knight book will open. I'm thinking the same exact thing. I'm thinking they may even open the chamber as, you know, the two guys outside the pod who start the match are KO and Logan Paul. And they finally get their face-to-face, and Logan Paul tries to, you know, screw Kevin Owens out of winning, and... L.A. Knight's the guy out the pod. He eliminates Logan Paul. Now that starts that Knight and Logan Paul little bit and ends that Kevin Owens because he's now out the picture with those two guys taking it in. So I, I like your point, and I think, I think WWE definitely has an opportunity to do that. Um, I, I just don't, I don't see any road where anybody other than McIntyre wins this match. I know a lot of people are talking about Randy Orton. He finally came back. Let him get up to you know beat that record of world titles, but I, I think... I don't think it's the right time, and it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I think it'll happen for him to have this title. Not now. I think you can have a Cody Rhodes versus Randy Orton feud a lot easier than you can have a Randy Orton versus Seth. Talk Rollins. about views. Cody oh, Rhodes, Randy electricity. Orton. Talk about legacy. <laughs> Shout out 2009 WWE Cody Rhodes, Ted DiBiase Jr., Randy Orton. Um, 
But yeah, I think I think this will be a fun a fun little ple in our last one before WrestleMania, and we'll definitely talk about this. Uh, you know, we'll definitely talk about WWE before we get there. So, uh, any other thoughts on Elimination Chamber or anything else going on in the world of the OTD boys? I'm I'm kind of feeling like I'm ready to book my own ple. Ooh, we're booking PLEs. Let's go. Um, WWE 2K24 comes out next month. Right the last you. one. I will buy this one um, because there's no way all three of us are spending money on that <laughs> game. Um, this has been fun, though. I'm glad we got to talk about some different stuff than we normally do. Um, you know, got got our, our minds moving. Got to talk about, you know, it's not just all about the Saints and how much we hate Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael and Derek Carr. It's... Yeah, it would have been a pretty miserable hour and 10 minutes if yeah. we did that. Yeah, but, but so. um, we'll be talking about them moving forward, of course, with the NFL draft coming up in just two months. Our, and our trip to Houston coming up. Your trip to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> um, some people don't want to hang out with us. No, some people have to work for a living. Um, but Make that OT. What? To make that OT. Do you get OT? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I unfortunately I do have to work. They'll be in Houston watching LSU baseball kill it in uh, Minute Maid Park. So I'm excited to hear your stories from that. I know y'all are going to have fun. We had a blast last time. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like when you get Dutt and Big B in the same building. Um, but <laughs> but uh, this this has been a fun episode. Got to talk about you know a team that's near and dear to our heart in LSU and um, talked about the Pels, talked about some wrestling. So it's been a fun time. Talked about that was. Talked about Burn and uh, oh. yeah and you know, the DJ do got us falling in love. So oh. we'll make sure to uh, keep you posted on all the new content coming out of the Off the Dome Sports Podcast Studio right here in the Myrtle Ridge Manor. Thank you very much for watching. I'm Redfish. I'm Rebo Hustle. I'm Mustang. And we will see you next time.